Monday, February the 8th, 2016. The Denver Broncos are the Super Bowl champions, and this is the One More Verse podcast. Hey everybody, my name is John Nix, and I'm so glad that you tuned in today. I'm going to be discussing Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. How do we respond when God doesn't answer in the way that we thought he would, and he doesn't answer in the timing that we thought he should use? This is the place where we find Malachi. For many, they thought that Israel was going to be restored to prominence and power when the temple was finished. And under the fiery pastors of Haggai and Zechariah, it looked like in repentance and the people going back that everything was going to be fine, that the messianic age would be ushered in and everything, the covenant blessings would be enjoyed in a way that they never even dreamed before. But my how times change, and it doesn't take very long. We're a forgetful people, and often we quickly forget all that God has done. And so we find the people of God with the highest religious authority, the priests, they've become completely corrupt. Worship is just some sort of routine and liturgy. Divorce is widespread. Social justice is being ignored. Tithing was being neglected. And it's into these kinds of circumstances that were introduced someone named Malachi. And God gives him his words to speak over the people. And he begins with this series of questions. And the questions seem so obvious. Why would there even need to be an answer? But Malachi, either through conversations that he had had or through um, divine revelation from God, whatever way, he anticipates these questions. And so he says, I've loved you, said the Lord. But you say, how'd you love us? And so he answers, he says, is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord. Yet I've, I've loved Jacob, but Esau I've hated. He reminds them Esau was the firstborn. Esau was to be the son that normally would receive God's favor and his blessing. But he's pointing out, I chose you as my people. I have loved Jacob. And if you don't remember who Jacob is, when God began to call his people out, it started with Abraham. And Abraham had a son named Isaac. And Isaac had a son named Jacob. He also had Esau. But Jacob had 12 sons, and those 12 sons became the representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel. And God's reminding them, listen, I I chose you. I have set my affection and favor toward you. He reminds them what Esau has been through. And he points out what it looks like in Edom, that they've been shattered. And they thought, okay, well, we'll just rebuild. And God says, they can rebuild all they want, but I'm just going to tear it down. This is not going to change. He's reminding the people, I've called you. I've made you my own and you have my favor. I have loved you. And all you can say is, hey, things aren't real good right now. So I don't think that you love me. And so he begins to use um, pictures that we can begin to grasp. He said, listen, even, even a son honors his father. Even the son will honor his father. And yet you show me no honor. Can you imagine? God, in in many ways, he he was a father, not only in the fact that he gave birth to this people and he called them out, but not only that, he is sustaining them. And he says, even even an earthly son will honor his father, and yet I don't even get that sort of honor. There's no affection that we see coming from the people. He, He takes it a step further, and he says, even a servant, his master, 
So if it's not affection, then certainly it would be out of obligation, but they don't even feel obligated to come before the Lord and honor him and love him and serve him. And so he begins to walk through and he says, you're just despising my name. And he anticipates the question that they're going to say, we haven't despised your name. We do all the stuff that we're supposed to do. We show up and we go through the sacrifices and he calls them out on it. He just says, listen, so let me get this straight. When you come to me in honor and worship and you bring me this polluted food to my altar, and then you say, well, how is it polluted? And he gives them these pictures. He says, do you really think that these offerings that you are bringing are acceptable? Do you really think since I have loved you and I've set my affection toward you and I've called you, I've made you my own. And the fact that you even still are there as a people, do you not see how I've loved you? I've fathered you. I am your, your master. And yet there's no honor. There's no service. And when you do come, it is completely empty. It's just this external formalism where you show up and you don't bring the best. You bring the worst. You, you want worship to absolutely be nothing more than you are somehow going through the emotions and I am supposed to just pour out my favor and bless a half-hearted worship for the God who's given you life and sustains you? He even asked them, okay, so if you think that this is okay, would you do this to your governor? The idea is, do you really think that you could take that into somebody that is very important in your community? Somebody that is a leader, somebody that you highly value or respect or that rules over you and you would bring them something this poor to offer them? Do you think that that would go over okay with them? And then he begins to, to break it down for them. And he says, listen, you can entreat the favor of God so that he might be gracious. Give, give a gift from your hand that is right. The problem is they're not doing that. And because of that, God says something astounding. He says, you know what? I just wish that instead of you coming in here and going through the motions, I wish you would absolutely just close the doors. I don't want any fire on my altar. I don't want any sacrifices being brought in. I have no pleasure in you. How painful to hear God speaking of his people in this way. They're walking in ongoing patterns of disobedience. This is not, I had an off day. This is an ongoing pattern of disobedience. This is an ongoing neglect of the things that God has commanded them to do. This is willful disobedience. This is absolutely coming before him with no honor, no reverence, no awe. There is no acknowledgement or recognition that he has sustained them. The fact that they're still a people is amazing. And that where the Edomites cannot rebuild, they have at least come back and the temple has been rebuilt. And yet they come before him and they don't really even acknowledge that he's the high king of heaven. It's just this empty external formalism. And even in the offering of it, it's only half-hearted with the poorest things that they can find that will cost them the least. Is it any difference, really, today? What happens to us sometimes when we gather as God's people? Oh, we come and we gather, and so many times we come and we're only thinking about ourselves. My only day to sleep in. Is it really going to make any difference if I show up? Does it matter if I serve? And, and even worse, the most condemning thing is not what we do. It's the motivation and the truth of our heart. And so many times I fear that we come before him with this 
empty and external formalism where we'll stand and we'll sing the words on a screen or we'll listen to the pastor and nod our head, but in truth, our hearts are so far away. And so we're reminded about what is going on. And God reminds us just how amazing he is. He says, listen, from the rising of the sun, because I put the sun there, the sun rose because I told it to rise. Till the place where it sets, my name is going to be great among the nations. Because although your circumstances may not be good, uh, the politics of things may not be going the way that you want them to go. I am still the king over all the nations. And, and, and he reminds them who he is and what he's done. And yet they come and they say, you know, this is a weariness to us. It, it becomes a burden. That service to the Lord becomes burden. Now we must question our own motives when it comes to service of the Lord. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we serve for the praise of man, for the recognition of man. If we are not careful, we get weary in our task because we don't see ourselves as serving the Lord. We see ourselves as simply just performing a function or checking off the list or doing something that we really don't feel like doing on that day. Sometimes for us, I feel that there is a weariness in the gathering of God's people rather than seeing the celebration of the gathering of those who have been redeemed and set free from the, from the penalty and power of sin and death. And so God calls his people out. He reminds them who he is, that he is a great king. This is not someone to be trifled with. And that if we know how to honor fathers, if masters know how to honor be honored by their slaves, then what in the world are we doing coming to God half-heartedly? Oh, my dear friend, let us gaze upon the beauty of Jesus. Let our hearts be filled with affection for him. Let not your worship and service be a weariness or a heaviness, but let it be an absolute wonder at all that you can approach the throne of grace with any sort of confidence. Let it be an absolute joy to give your life away in service if nobody recognizes and no one sees for service is its own reward let us worship our true king in spirit and in truth and not be like these priests who come with empty external formalism god doesn't need your religion god calls us to lay down our lives Thanks for listening to the One More Verse podcast. If you'd like some more information about Vertical Purpose or One More Verse, visit us online at johnnicks.org. I'd love to hear from you, so catch up with me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. The handle is always the same. It's the John Nix. And if you want, go to the platform of your choice and download the Vertical Purpose app and you can find additional resources. Thanks again, guys, and join me tomorrow for the One More Verse podcast.